G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation to Visionathon today at vision.org.au. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. One truth that will be delivered in love and compassion, connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. You make me Today. Today. Today with Jeff Vines. Renovations are usually a difficult process. Pastor Jeff says the same is true of this series, Renovations of the Heart. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me. Pastor Jeff admits these messages might be a bit frustrating. They might challenge you and really make you think. In this episode, we're completing his message from Romans chapter 7 with some examples from Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde to help unpack the struggles we have with our selfish nature versus our desire to live a life that's pleasing to God. Let's hear the rest of the message now with Pastor Jeff. And Jesus said the same thing in Matthew chapter 5. You've heard that it was said among the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who's angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. You have the same emotions in you, anger, that lead a murderer to murder. He says, you've heard it said, uh, verse 28, 27 rather, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. The same lustful feelings that lead somebody to commit adultery are in your heart as well. That's a violation of the spirit of the law, not just the letter. So he says in verse 9, once I was alive apart from the law. When I didn't really know how deep the law went, I was alive. <laughs> but when the commandment came, somebody instructed me the depth of the commandments. Then sin sprang to life and I died. You know, there's a real way in which the law actually doesn't help this guy. It actually aggravates this guy. Augustine tells the story of seeing apples over in an orchard. And he went, jumped the fence, got an apple. Not because he was hungry, not because he wanted an apple, but because there was a sign that said, you can't jump the fence and have an apple. There's a part in which the law just aggravates this thing in us. No one's going to tell me what to do. Even the virtuous self is impacted by the narcissistic self. But there's something else here, and it's the final thing you have to see before we move on and say, okay, how how are we going to win this battle? Paul mentions specifically in verse 8 the sin of coveting. He says, but sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. Why does he mention coveting? That's the tenth, that's the last commandment. Why does he mention that one other than the other nine? What is coveting? Coveting is simply wanting something more than you want God. 
It means to idolatrously covet or want something. It means to inordinately want something. And it is the essence of all sin. Coveting is wanting anything more than God. There's something other than God and his love and his acceptance, his provision, his salvation that you've got to have before you can ultimately be happy. Now listen, listen. When I was in New Zealand, I met a pastor by the name of John Fulford who was from South Africa. He had been preaching for 25 plus years. When I arrived on the scene, he said, thank God you're here and your team, we need fresh blood. And over time, I got to know John, a great man. And one day we were seated, seated around his living room having a cup of tea or whatever, coffee, and and we asked John, John, you, you preached for 25 years. Why did you stop? Because he wasn't preaching anymore. And here's what he said to me. He said, because I just got to the point where I felt no one was listening. Now, in the past seven years, I've stated this over and over and over. And it's, it's the thing that if you hear nothing from me, then you, the entirety of your life that you remember, Jeff Vines told you this. And it's this. You and I use God to get our idols. We often do not pursue God for the sake of knowing God. We just want to get God on our side so that he can help us get what we really want. The job or the girl or the guy. You with me? We don't pursue God for the sake of relationship with God. There's just this part of the virtuous self that wants to make sure God's on his side so that God will fight his battles and that God will give him what his heart desires. God, in other words, we don't pursue God for God to give us our heart's desires. We pursue God to get the things that we think our heart desires and ultimately satisfy. Money, people, possessions, whatever it is. Now, something happened in the life of Paul that caused him to write this Romans 7. And part of that is this. When Paul had his experience on the road to Damascus, he heard a voice that said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Now, if, if, we, if Paul could have spoken... He would have probably said, I'm not persecuting you, God. I'm protecting you from those horrible people who don't keep the law. And how would Jesus have responded? Later on, we know because he talks about it in Philippians. Jesus would have said to Paul, no, no, no. All your morality, all your virtuous activity is your way of trying to get out from underneath me as Savior. You're trying to save yourself. See, Paul had become a coveter. He was coveting the law and to be righteous under it. He wanted it so bad. He spent every day trying to be good. Why? So that he didn't have to depend on somebody else's savior. He could save himself and be in total control. See, religion does not get you closer to God, but further away. Do you understand that? See, what, 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 no, I don't, Jeff. Okay, let me help you. In religion, you're not moving toward God. You're moving away from him. Because religion tells you, be virtuous, be good, keep these laws, do these good things, and God will accept you. Well, the more you try to do that, the more you're not needing God. So the more you're growing away from God. Any religion that tells you, do this, do that, go to this, travel here, do these five things, face this way, those are things that give you control over your own salvation. Paul said, I love the law so much that I coveted. I want, to be, I want to be so righteous that God has to receive me. And then one day it dawned on him, he's dead in the water when it comes to the law because the spirit of the law, no man can keep. So the first battle that you have to conquer is that you have to understand there are two of you. The virtuous one, the narcissistic one, and they are both equally you. Both of them. The virtuous one is self-serving, even though he tries to be virtuous, and he overestimates his own goodness, and he often keeps the letter of the law without the spirit of the law. And the selfish, narcissistic one, well, he just wants to do as much evil as he can, 
and get away from the law. Now, how do you win this battle? You can't. You can't. Mr. Hyde's too strong. There's no one righteous, no, not one. You'll take two steps forward, three steps back. You may win some battles, but you're going to end up losing the war. And that's why, most, that's why many of you in the room right now are feeling this. Yeah, man, I've never, I've never been successful in that battle. So you hide. You live in denial. And you convince yourself that you're better than you really are. You cannot win this battle. You have to be born again. Now stay with me. Now this is where we've done the hard work. Now this is, this is the gold. This is the gold. When you realize that you're helpless in this battle, and you shift from seeing Jesus as teacher to Jesus as Savior, what's going to happen? You're going to realize he not only saved you from your sin, but he saved you from everything. He knows you can't win this battle, and he loves you and saves you anyway. And so you humble yourself before the cross of Jesus Christ. You say, I can't win this battle. It's too hard. It's too, it's too difficult. And then what happens when you really truly recognize what Jesus did for you, that you're good to go. He knows you can't, and you're still good to go. You're still going to go to heaven. You're still going to be saved by grace through faith. You know what happens? Your heart is melted. And when your heart is melted, the emotions start to want to serve and to pursue and to follow God. That's why I said last week, when you fall in love with the girl or the guy you're going to marry, nobody has to tell you, hey, you need to be good to them. You need to spend time with them. You need to pursue them. No, you just do it because your heart is bent toward them. When your heart is bent toward God, see, the problem is that many of you don't love God. You might acknowledge that the law is good. You might acknowledge that God lives, but you don't love him. And the reason you don't love him is because your heart has never truly been melted by what he's actually done for you and how even though this is a battle you cannot win, he puts you into a new battle that you cannot lose. When your heart is melted by what he's done for you, everything's going to change. Everything. But primarily, there's a major shift in the battle. Stay with me. You still have a battle. It's not like you go from, from battle, war, to peace. No, you go from battle to a different kind of battle. Now, let me explain that new battle and then tell you how we conquer, according to Paul in Romans 7. In the old battle, let me say it again, both of these are the real you. One is not more you than the other. Both are equally you. Each one has a equal claim to your true self. You're no more one than the other. Both selves are deep. The intuition that you have that you should be good and virtuous and the intuition that you have to overthrow the virtuous self. Both are equal. But Paul says you've got a new battle now. He starts to explain it in Galatians 5.17. He says, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit. Now he's used changing language here. And the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Spirit, flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. What's he saying? He's saying, this guy, when you're born again, is mortally wounded. And now, there's a new self. It's this guy. And it's not because you ate a lot. This guy's mortally wounded. He's, he's, he is dying. He is deceasing. <laughs> he's fatally wounded. And now, where once you had two yous, no, you got one you now. And the one you, it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. 
So, the evil self and the virtuous self, they're both dead, really. And you're, repla- you're born again. There's a new you now. And now he says in Romans 7, 22, and if I had time to show you, I'd show you how the first 14 verses of Romans 7, Paul speaks in the past tense. This is what I used to be like. But then in verse 14 through, through the end, he speaks, this is what I'm like now. And now he says in 7, 22, for I delight in the law of God in my inner being. Now, how is it possible to delight in the law of God? Remember, let's, go, let's resurrect these two guys just for a second. This guy respected the law. This guy hated the law, but neither of them loved it. They respected it, but they didn't love it. He hated it, didn't love it. In the new battle, this new warfare, it's you now against this guy. You and God against sin. And he can't even fulfill the desires unless you lend him the members of your body. We're going to learn that in Romans chapter 6. But for now... That's why Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I mean, I'm in the body, but the Spirit of Christ is in me. In Romans 7, he says this, but now, this is the early part of the chapter, by dying to what once bound us, that is, I died to the law as a way of salvation, we have been released from the law so that we serve in a new way. We still serve, but we serve in a new way. Now it's in the Spirit. In the new me and not in the old way of the written code. What's he saying? He's saying that we now delight in the law. Now, stay with me. Why and how could we delight in the law? Why would you, del- why would you be glad about the law? If you can't be saved under it and you know it tells you your face is dirty, how on earth, why on earth would you ever delight now in the law of God? My mother loved brownies. I loved to eat them. I learned to make them. Not because I like cooking, despise cooking, but I learned to make them because I knew it was the one thing when I gave them to my mom, just she lit up, smile, joy. So I would come home from college on a Friday and I knew she would be home at five o'clock and I would have brownies waiting and man, talk about happy. And I'm not sure it was the brownies or the fact that her son would take the time to make the brownies. But here's the point. I knew that my mother delighted in the brownies. And so I was more than willing to bake them. Now, when your heart has been melted by what God has done for you, there's going to be a desire in you and you're going to love the law. Do you know why you're going to love the law? Because you know by living under it, you please God, not appease God, Uh -uh. not appease God to where it turns away his wrath. That's already happened on the cross. You love it because you know it's like this. God gave me this wonderful gift, man. I can't lose. I've got salvation. I know where I'm going. I know what I'm about. I'm part of a kingdom that will not die. It's unshakable. And suddenly your heart is melting. Guess what happens? Guess what happens? You say, man, what can I give you? Now, you don't need to give them anything. It's not about that. I get that. But when your heart is melting and somebody does something this extraordinary for you, what happens? You say, "What, what can I do? What can I bring to you? What would God say? Just honor your respect and love. Just give me your love. And you find out that the law, when you live according to the way God has outlined for us, you find that it is the present. It is the thing you give God that delights his heart, not saves you, not puts you in better moral standard. The cross did that. It delights the heart of God. And because you know it delights the heart of God, guess what? When you face temptation of any kind, 
Here's what you're thinking now. You're not thinking, okay, I'm going to lose my salvation. God's going to get me. No, you're thinking this. See, your attitude's shit. The new you doesn't think like that because this dude's mortally wounded. The new you thinks like this. Wow, I can make a decision here and delight the heart of God, the one who's given me so much. You're motivated by love rather than law. Until you love God. See, my, my concern is that many of you do not love God yet. You've never been open to the divine romance. You have an intellectual knowledge of God. You have a healthy respect for God. You delight. You, you don't delight, but you respect his law, but you do not delight in the law. And when you truly love God, you begin to love the law because it becomes the means by which to glorify, love, and honor the Father. So here's, here's the answer then. Well, Jeff, you still haven't told me how I'm going to defeat this new battle that I have, it's still there. I, I mean, I have the other twin evil, and he's not the equal. He's definitely not me. This is the new me, but I still got this flesh. How do I win? Here's how you win. Do you know what PDA stands for? Public display of affection. I hate acrostics, but I just happen to have one by accident. And maybe it'll help you remember, especially since we're talking about loving God. A public display of affection. PDA. Each letter stands for. Here's step one. Now remember, we're asking the question, how's the real me sanctified and saved going to re renovate, be renovated from the inside out? How am I going to defeat the sin that entangles me and keeps just trying to crush me and bring me down? Here's how you do it. Number one, you need to pray for a Jesus revelation. You've got to pray that God would help you to see Jesus as he truly is. Love is a far greater motivator than fear would ever be. My brothers and I used to fight, and when my brothers and I would fight, my mom would cry. It'd break her heart. You moms know what I'm talking about. When we got older, we stopped fighting. We did not stop fighting because we were afraid of my father. We weren't. We were big now. He couldn't hurt us. We stopped fighting in front of her. <laughs> we stopped fighting in front of her because we knew it broke her heart. Love is a far greater motivator than fear. You need to pray that Jesus would reveal himself, that he would open your eyes to what you have in your future and what you have in the here and now. Step two, D, do battle with a virtuous self. Some of you need to kill this guy, this guy. You know why? Because you're religious, but you're not Christian. You're incredibly virtuous, but what you're doing is you're moving further and further away from God because you keep telling yourself that if, you, if you're good enough, God has to accept you. And the more you do that, the farther you're moving away from God. You got to kill this guy. You got to do battle with a virtuous self first. And if you continue to try to be this guy and earn favor with God, you'll never delight in the law. You'll see it as a ball and chain holding you back from what you really want to do. See, the key is what you really want to do has got to be changed. And that can only be changed when you have a divine revelation and you understand the depth of the love of God and what he has for you and how everything you're trying to get through other means he's already given. Sin at its ultimate core is you trying to get something that God's already promised. That's what it is at its core. And third and finally, allow the gospel to rule the real you. Now, here's what Paul says. He says, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death because the physical part of you still flesh. And he says, thanks be to God. Now, after you become a Christ follower and the new you and Christ living through you, when you come to a temptation, you can face it one of two ways. You can face it in the flesh or you can walk in the spirit. And if you're walking in the spirit, that means that you will speak the gospel to yourself at the moment of every temptation. 
And when you speak the gospel to yourself that you know now because you've had a revelation, then the Spirit of God activates that truth in you and gives you the power to overcome. Let me give you an example. Let's say that you have anger and resentment towards somebody that tried to ruin your reputation, somebody that's been saying some bad things about you and you're just angry. Now, you've got two options here. One, you can kill them with kindness. You can say, well, I'm a Christ follower and I'm going to be nice to that person. I'm going to be so virtuous that they feel guilt over what they've done to me. Now, what is that? What are you doing? Well, you're merely, you're still Mr. Hyde. You're just a nice Mr. Hyde, but you're still Mr. Hyde. Or you can say, you know what? I'm weak. I'm filled with sin, but who cares about my reputation? Who cares that it's been hurt? What do I care what the peasants think about me when I have the honor of the king? Oh, you are my friend and my brother. Even though you are my king, I love you more than any other so much more than anything. What about when you envy? The gospel tells you why, would you, why would you covet or desire something that you don't have when God has given you everything that you will ever need? You speak the gospel. You're angry with somebody. You want revenge, but you speak the gospel. Wait a minute. I've done much more than what they've done to me to God, and he still forgives me. You speak the gospel. Addiction. Some of you have an addiction that's destroying you. You're going to have to die to yourself. The core of the gospel is that Jesus died so that we could live. Some of you are going to have to go through a death, a spiritual kind of detox, a physical detox even, but you're going to have to be willing to die. It's going to hurt. It's going to be painful. You're going to have to be willing to slay yourself so that this guy can, res this guy can come back. Anxiety. You know the beautiful thing, most beautiful thing about the season of life that I'm in right now, most of you knowing that I went through those three years of anxiety, the most beautiful thing about my life at this point is this. I don't worry about tomorrow or next week or what's going to happen. I've just had so much less stress. Do you know why? Because it finally dawned on me, I am not my own. I belong to God. And whatever happens tomorrow, that's the door God chose that I'd go through. And whatever doesn't happen, that's where he wants me. Why stress out? Instead, just follow the scripture. Don't be anxious for anything, but through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And then the peace of God will rule your hearts in Christ Jesus. You speak the gospel. This guy, the new self, see, he gets the gospel because he's been born again and he knows its depths. He doesn't know everything about it, but he knows enough to know that everything his heart desires, God has and will give. Until your heart rejoices in what and who you are and what is yet to come, you're not going to win the battle over sin. You speak the gospel to yourself, your new self. And when you do, the spirit of God in you activates that truth. And that truth impacts your emotions and then you live the life in public that you say you believe in private. You got it? See? See, it, when, you're, when you're not a born-again believer, it works opposite. Okay? You're ruled by your emotions in the flesh. So the flesh wants something. The emotions kick in. Then the brain says, how can I get it? And then the afterthought is, okay, what does God think about that? But when you're living and walking in the Spirit, it's, it's the opposite way. The first thing, you, you're walking in the Spirit so you know the heart of God. And the heart of God impacts your mind. And you know the gospel so that when your emotions kick in, the gospel governs your emotions and ultimately the flesh lives out according to the spirit rather than the flesh. And that's what it is to walk by the spirit, not by the flesh. There are many of you in this room, something's got to happen. Something's got to give. And so I'm going to pray and I'm going to tell you what I believe that thing is. Okay. Father, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you that you, uh, You've done so much for us that you've opened our eyes to your glory and your truth and your love. I pray for every person in the room that's never had a, a, a Jesus revelation of all the good 
that is in their life because of you, that their eyes would be open. I pray for any of them. I pray that if our heart has not been melted yet, that it would be melted now. And we know the power of your spirit is able to do much more, immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine. In the, in the most hardest of hearts, a heart of stone can be a heart, a heart of flesh that's alive and beating with the love of divine romance between us and our Father. Open eyes, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.